Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. From the offices of Create and Cultivate, I'm Jacqueline Johnson, and this is Work Party, a podcast for women who are redefining the meaning of work on their own terms. This season, we're bringing in leading female powerhouses to take a deep dive into the topics that matter most to you. Technology, money, marketing, entrepreneurship, you name it, we're covering it all. Tune in every Wednesday for career, real talk, and BS-free advice from the best in the biz. Ready to create and cultivate the career of your dreams? Well, welcome to Work Party, the podcast. So you worked hard to climb the career ladder and land your dream job. Congrats. But something doesn't feel right. Now that you're there, your expectation doesn't match reality. Or perhaps you got there and just changed your mind because now you have a different perspective or your priorities have shifted. Either way, you know it's time to make a change, to shift your focus, lead with curiosity. But now the real question is, is where do you even begin? How do you move past the fear of change to take the leap and do it anyway. Well, that's where Lauren Lowe Bosworth comes in. When the former Laguna Beach in the Hill Star noticed that the wellness industry wasn't driven by women or for women, she decided to take matters into her own hands and launch Love Wellness in 2016. But the leap wasn't easy, and the journey there wasn't simple. After her time on TV, Lowe realized she needed to bridge the gap between living the influencer life and being taken seriously as an entrepreneur. She went to culinary school at the French Culinary Institute, started her own lifestyle blog, The Lowdown, and tackled crippling anxiety before moving across the country to launch Love Wellness. She started out with the new line of feminine personal care before moving into products and supplements to help women treat and maintain good sleep, sex, gut, mood, and skin health, all based on her own needs and what she was going through personally. And Lowe's bold move to switch lanes and tap into the $4.2 trillion wellness industry paid off big time. She successfully increased the company's revenue by 300,000%. That's no small feat. In this episode, we get down to business with a pivot pioneer to find out how she built such a successful and profitable company from scratch, what it really takes to be an entrepreneur, and how she's navigating this shift since COVID-19. Let's get right into it. So welcome, Lo, to the show. We're so excited to have you. Hi, thanks. How are you doing? <laughs> good, good, good. Um, so yeah, so I think let's get right into it. I want to talk a little bit 
about the beginning of you know your career journey and sort of where you are now, and then we can get into all the good stuff um, that's going on with Love Wellness. But before we kind of go into that, let's start at the beginning. So obviously, you were on the hills in Laguna Beach, both massive successes and really first of their kind in terms of launching careers for you know normal people, quote unquote, on TV. Can you talk us through your experiences on those shows and what lessons you sort of learned that ultimately shaped your career and who you are today? Yeah, absolutely. So to your point, I was on television for a while, but at this point, it was so long ago. (laughs) I haven't been on television in a decade, but when the show was ending, social media was just kind of starting to find its footing. And so I've been able to maintain and continue to grow an audience, which is really incredible. And I'm so fortunate in that regard. When I was first Back uh, when I guess I was first on Laguna Beach, I was still in high school when MTV came to Laguna. And it was when the show The OC was on television. It was on the CW. I don't know if you remember, but it was very popular. And so Laguna was really the reality version of that program. And I was 15 or 16 when they came to town. And When MTV shows up when you're that young, when TRL is still in its heyday, you are pumped. You are excited that MTV is there. And we were just provided with an opportunity that we really didn't understand, to be totally honest with you. But I don't think anybody did. The directors, the people who concepted out the show, they had no idea that it was going to be so popular. So it was really an experiment that very first season. And as the show launched and really picked up steam, everybody's lives changed. And I was in college the whole time. I was on Laguna and then for you know some of the first seasons of The Hills. Um, and so for me, my experience was definitely unique because I think I was the only one outside of Whitney who was going to university so, sort of simultaneously. So I was a full-time student and then also working you know part-time on the show. And I always really considered my position within uh, the program to be a job more than anything else, at least after that very first season of Laguna. And really, my parents were like, you need to get a job. And I was like, hey, I found a job. (laughs) And it pays, pays okay for being, you know, 19, 20 years old. And it was really, you know, I have to say, I, I did it because it was a really good opportunity. But also my, my life changed in many positive ways. I uh, was financially stable and functioning as an adult um, from the time I was 17 onwards. And so I, I've always been a very independent person, but I really uh, leaned into that. And it gave me a lot of confidence to kind of live my life in the way that I wanted to. On the flip side of that, there were many negatives or downsides that as an adult, much later in my life, I see were really just shaping my character. So at the Mm -hmm. time, they were very difficult emotionally. But reflecting back on that, I see that they have turned me into an individual that is very um, strong. And I would say very careful, or maybe cautious, as a public figure, especially in the internet age, you are constantly exposed, right? And cancel culture is such a huge thing right now. And so I would say 
in my new role, well, I guess, yeah, I, you know, I've been doing love wellness for four years, but as the brand has continued to grow and grow and grow, the brand is more visible and more vulnerable. And so I think that my experience coming from entertainment, um, sort of at the same time when media really changed and when social media was born has given me a really good sense of how to be a master at messaging. And I really apply those skills every day at work. Hi there, I'm Lauren McGoodwin, founder and CEO of Career Contessa, the largest online career resource built inclusively for women. I also have the privilege of hosting our new podcast, The Females. We're here to help with real talk career advice from CEOs, authors, creatives, and other experts to give you real strategies for building a successful career all on your own terms. Each episode of The Females is sure to not only inspire, but also to motivate you to take action and move your career forward. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday for new episodes and follow along on careercontessa.com. I think that's such a great, honestly, way of putting it. That whole narrative is really smart. I mean, I couldn't even imagine being 17 or 18 and being on television and knowing what you're getting yourself into. And again, being one of the first of its kind. And I think now it's so commonplace. There's so many reality shows and then people are skyrocketed into having this following and then they're launching brands and it's like this formula. But that formula didn't exist. For you guys, because you were really the first, um, yeah. but you were really strategic and really smart. I mean, so during the show, you launched your own lifestyle blog, The Lowdown, which again, like you were saying, social media was just starting. So that was really smart and innovative, but you also kept going in terms of your career and the hobbies and the things you're interested in. So after the show, you moved to New York, you enrolled in French culinary school and, you know, started a different company. You started a party planning company called Beverly House. So you were entrepreneurial and continuing your education. Can you tell us a little bit about that time in your life and why it was important to take on these kind of new skills and new facets? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess I really always have been an entrepreneur, even if back then I didn't really (laughs) use that term for myself, like apply it to what I was doing. I was constantly starting new things, um, you know, developing hobbies and things like that and trying to monetize them. Right. And so I started the blog. Yeah. When the show was first ending or like right after it had ended. And for me, I was just interested in sharing my story. And a couple of friends worked with me that went to UCLA with me and we were all creating content and it was really cool. And it ultimately became sort of my go-to platform for a number of years in which I shared my life. And I have always been a huge fan of cooking. I grew up cooking with my mom and it's one of my biggest passions. In fact, one day I would love to have a farm of my own and grow food and do the whole thing. (laughs) Um, But I think that that's, you know, further down the line, I suspect. And so for me, I really wanted to start creating a lot of food content. And it was over a number of years when I was living in New York. And kind of during that time, my health started to decline as well. And I realized, you know, after a lot of doctor's appointments. I mean, literally, you can't even imagine how many specialists I saw over a period of time when I was like depressed, anxious, you know, at the OBGYN all the time. It turns out I was suffering from some underlying vitamin deficiencies. And so I really became very interested in nutrition and in wellness. And once you have a culinary degree and background, 
it's pretty interesting how you can combine all of those interests into a very forward thinking lifestyle um, from a food perspective. And I really consider food to be medicine and really rely on it to give me the energy and strength I need to get through my days every day. And for me, I went through a huge lifestyle shift kind of during this period of time. Whereas before I was younger, my diet was not as clean. I was eating tons of processed food. I wasn't shopping like local organic, focused on a lot of plant-based sort of meals. And so, you know, it wasn't just kind of making a switch to clean natural products, which is really what Love Wellness is based in and on, but also it was just this general lifestyle switch to a much healthier way of approaching what I was putting into my body that really kind of changed my perspective on everything. Yeah, absolutely. And I think so many people can relate to that. I mean, I think especially as women, like at least for me, like I've gone through so many ups and downs in my health and wellness journey of like, I feel awful. I feel better. I do this. I do that. My, my mom, I grew up with like a mom who's obsessed with vitamins and homeopathic solutions and natural food. And if you don't know, you don't know. And I think it can be a little bit of an intimidating space to get into, especially, you know, again, five, 10 years ago where it was not as commonplace. So basically that's what sparked this, you know, foray into love wellness is your own personal experience. So walk me through, you know, the moment of like, this is what's happening to me. This is the problem I need to solve. I'm not finding the solutions I want. I'm going to go out and create this business. Can you tell us a little bit about that process? Yeah, absolutely. So like I said, I I was not well. And one of uh, the biggest issues for me was just recurring infections. I was at the OBGYN all the time. My body felt so sensitive to everything. And so I was at the drugstore constantly. And I was in the feminine care aisle, which is an embarrassing place to be in and of itself. And, you know, looking at all these products from legacy brands and using some of the products and not really being satisfied by the experience Um, A lot of them didn't work very well. Some of them made problems even worse. You know what I mean? And in general, like I said, every woman understands this. There's this shame and stigma with um, something happening to your body and you need something to take care of it. (laughs) And I had never known anything else in that space other than that very specific emotional experience. And you know, I talked to my doctors about it, especially as things started to become kind of chronic and, you know, weren't really resolving over a period of time. And it really required me to work alongside my doctors and kind of a variety of people to point me in the direction of cleaner, natural products. And when I started to make that shift, I realized that my body was responding really well. And it, it, it's really in that change of one, change of perspective, because like you don't know what you don't know, what you just said. So it's sort of like being able and willing to change your perspective. That was kind of the primary thing that helped me get better, being kind of open to to different things than I was accustomed to, to definitely better ingredients. Absolutely. Like I'm all about that kind of stuff. That stuff is real and works, especially when it comes to women's health, because so much of what is available from legacy brands is formulated with really cheap chemicals that are pretty bad for women's biology. If you do a little research, it's it's very uh, enlightening. And so 
I realized that there was just a huge space in the market and the products that I was using that were really helping me were coming from really small companies, you know, like the seventh page on Amazon. (laughs) And um, I really realized that there was a huge opportunity to establish a new brand rooted in personal care for women that was made with clean ingredients, that was body positive in our messaging and tone, and that more than anything really helped to educate women about their bodies. Because again, you don't know what you don't know. And in the United States, most of us have, what, 30 minutes of sex education at some point, but we're not being really explicitly taught about our bodies and our unique biology and the types of things that help to support that biology and the types of things that don't support our biology, right? So it kind of comes down to when it comes to women's personal care, and we make total body care products now, so I'm really kind of just honing in on the origin story, but basically you have a vaginal microbiome and good bacteria that live and support that system. And that good bacteria create an acidic pH balance that helps to protect you against infection and irritation. And so when you use products that kill that good bacteria, and I'm really talking about, you know, like tampons with fragrance, bar soap, things made with chemicals, personal lubricant from legacy brands, condoms, all kinds of things that you're like putting Mm -hmm. in and on that part of the body you're killing all of that good bacteria when you do that. And so you become much more susceptible to infection. And then on top of it, if your gut health is suffering because the gut is the home of the immune system, it you know, is totally going crazy with good bacteria, helps to support all of these different systems within your body, like the vagina, the vaginal tract, the urinary tract. Like if your gut health on top of it is also in a very sad state because you've been eating processed food and taking antibiotics your whole life and taking ibuprofen and taking antacids, then you're in a position where things can get bad and chronic pretty easily. And that's where I was. And it took a really long time and a lot of education and a lot of help to really understand that and know that I needed to change my lifestyle and the products that I was using to move forward. And so I kind of realized, I was like, this doesn't exist. And I feel like I have tapped into this secret that doctors know and understand, but they're doctors. They're not entrepreneurs, right? Like they're not like Mm -hmm. going out and making these products and putting them into the ecosystem. And so I just made the decision to, to do it. I literally like threw myself off a cliff <laughs> and I, just, I, I just feel, I to do it. Yeah. <laughs> totally. And I love that so much. Cause I think that's so true. I mean, especially I'm 35, but I feel like in my twenties, no one talked about this. All my friends were getting insane UTIs, like in our twenties, like freaking out. No one knew everyone was taking like the weird over the shelf UTI medicine, natural. Anything did not exist in my twenties. And like, it's actually crazy to look back and like hear you talk about all the toxicity that are is in those products that everyone's like whoopsies we probably shouldn't have been doing that for so long and now it's like it's just insane to me yeah now it's much more common knowledge and you know you especially see sort of the beauty industry now kind of under that microscope um, of what's actually in these products and what do they actually do to you? Um, because your skin is your biggest organ. It absorbs everything instantly, you know? (laughs) And so I was just really interested, you know, one, because functionally these natural products were just working better for me. 
And then two, I guess, you know, for me, I was interested in natural products and kind of adapting to a more natural lifestyle because I just felt like it was healthier in general. But that's kind of why we, we have always made products in that way. Absolutely. Like if it works, why not other people, it can work for them as well. So one thing I do want to talk about is the fact that you bootstrap the business from the beginning, which with a product line can be really challenging. Um, can you talk about the decision to self-fund Love Wellness initially? And then I want to talk a little bit about raising capital, which you did uh, last year, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. So when I first started the company, I was coming off the experience from Revelry House, which was a failed business, but I learned a ton. And we did raise some friends and family money for that business. And so I knew how to raise, but I thought that it was a really difficult experience when you were still like in the conceptual phase and hadn't really tested anything, etc. At that point, I had some savings not a lot, but some, and decided to start the business by myself. And I also understood that I would be in a great ownership position if I funded the business. I would own the business by myself outright. And so, you know, I, I cold called manufacturers knowing what I wanted to make with doctor's guidance and help and ordered. MOQ, minimum order quantities, which for me at that time was a thousand units of each product. And we launched with uh, five products, four products, four or five. So, you know, for me at the time, it was a sig- really significant investment. <laughs> um, yeah, and, it was ter- and it was terrifying, <laughs> you know, like I was like, oh my gosh, I have a thousand units of each one of these products. <laughs> and, you know, now we're ordering hundreds of thousands of units of products. So it's crazy um, to kind of, you know, think back to this time when I was sitting in my living room, like looking at my bank account and being like, can I really do this? And it was in the inventory where I really invested because. I ran a Shopify website, which is you know pretty affordable or, or reasonable as a line item. I was doing no paid acquisition because I had my social media following, so I could talk about the business through those channels. I had no employees for at least two years. So my overhead was really, really low, at least for uh, you know the first eighteen to twenty four months because we were just you know our eyes. I say we because now my team is, more people. <laughs> so I'm sort of used to speaking about it in that way. But, you know, I originally funded really the inventory more than anything else. And like, yes, like I said, it was significant. But from there, we started to sell product and we really operated off of cash flow and just invested everything that the company made back into the company. So I didn't take a salary for a really, really, really long time, which was difficult financially. Um, you know, lived really lean for many years um, to support the business. And then sort of just like a quick snapshot of growth. Now we're on the fourth year of the business because I launched in October of 2016. We're 15 or 16 full-time people. Uh, The business has grown 3,000% in the last two years. We achieved that eight-figure revenue number in the calendar year of 2019. And it's like full steam ahead. And it blows my mind every single day. It's amazing. I mean, honestly, congratulations. And I, I am curious about, you know, your role as an entrepreneur. Like, how has growing a team been? How has going from a party of one to 15 people been for you? As, you know, what are the learning lessons that you've kind of 
seen as you've scaled the business and the team? Yeah, we we can talk about team first. So the team has grown quickly just in the recent months. Last year in 2019, when we were seeing kind of the beginning of that really incredible growth, we were still only four people. <laughs> so I have my um, partner, Matthew, who is like a brilliant operator and CMO who came on about two years after I started the business, we were introduced through friends. And then Amanda, she was our like first hire. So she runs customer experience and journey. And we always knew that customer experience would be a really important pillar of the business. And if you're a business owner and you are not investing into customer experience, trust me, you should be. So she was really our first hire. And then uh, another Lauren runs our logistics and planning. So we had kind of like the baseline, scrappiest team that you could imagine. And we really quickly became a family. We didn't have an office at that time. We went to a co-working space and sat on couches every day. And over a period of the, the last 12 to 16 months, you know, we raised our Series A, we hired a few more people, and now we're hiring to help us um, grow the business at scale. For me, my team is my family. I, I couldn't do it without them. And, and I hire people that are much smarter and more sophisticated in me in the areas that I am not. Um, and so that is really the goal. I try to operate the team as uh, somebody who defers to a lot of my other team members, to be honest with you. I have a vision of what the brand should be. And, you know, people help me execute on that. But I am certainly not the best, you know, at understanding data or, you know, like what our spreadsheets should look like. And so I really give the people on the team the opportunity to do great work. And I really function as kind of a friend and sounding board for them more than anything else. And like I said, they're, they're really my family at this point, you know, we're all working from home. I miss them so much. (laughs) It is very challenging, but I also think the fact that you know what you're good at, know what you're not good at is a really great uh, thing as a leader. I think leaders that are blinded by ego where they think, Oh, I can do everything and be good at everything. And that's usually where those blind spots come into play and it's, it's not as successful as you want it to be. So I think that's amazing. But I was going to ask, obviously, seeing as that we're in this new normal now with the pandemic, working from home, it sounds like they're newer teammates. You know, how is that working for you? What have you learned and how have you shifted accordingly? Yeah. So what's interesting about our work from home is, I guess, we're recording this episode in it's almost mid-April. We started working from home on March 12th. So we've been doing it for about a month now. And we use Slack as our primary technology tool to communicate with each other. And within that, you can do conference calls based on specific Slack channels that you have. And so thankfully, we don't have to send a million Zoom meeting invites and all of this stuff. So thank goodness for Slack. <laughs> really, we I don't know what we would do without that piece of technology right now. But what we have done really successfully is just establish a set schedule. And we're all pretty much on the same schedule and very open lines of communication. So we have been having the same 9 a.m. Eastern call every day, all hands on deck meeting every single morning, um, where we just talk through all of our team leaders' um, goals for the day needs, etc. And I would say that that complete transparency 
or as much transparency as you can provide every team member is really, really helping us get through this time. I would say that, you know, we're operating from a functionality perspective and like output at a really high level. And I think it's because it's just so different from coming into the office where you kind of come in and you just kind of sit at your desk and and get started. And so these very open lines of communication have been vital to our success right now. It's so interesting to see everybody working every day and, and, and doing so well and getting so much done. Like it, it really feels very encouraging and empowering to me and keeping me going through the madness. Every business you know, experiences ups and downs and, and this time is no different. And we have had to pivot a, a lot. You know, our retail channels are all closed right now, which is really difficult for us to, to see and, mm-hmm. to, and to feel. And so, you know, we have certainly had to pivot just like everybody else. Of course. Yeah. And you've been very candid about your, you know, anxiety and oppression and your struggles with that. And obviously I think a lot of founders and humans in general right now are feeling that. And you've even created, you know, products around that. So can you talk a little bit about some of the ways that you're coping with that? And, uh, you know, what's your recommendation for anyone else that might be going through that? Yeah, absolutely. For us, I have a community. It is my team at work. And we have created a community at Love Wellness among our customers and even women who are not our customers and just, you know, want to talk to us about, you know, their bodies, education, etc. And so for me, community is really my number one source to relieving my anxiety. And it's because I have these people who are kind of really my um, touchstones right now. Is touchstone the right word? I don't know. You know what I'm trying to say. And beyond that, the actual love wellness community is full of incredibly motivating content. Literally things about like how to control your anxiety. I just recorded a video for our Instagram stories about how I take a break in the afternoon. And it's just really simple breathing exercises that I'm planning on sharing with everybody. And so I'm leaning into community as really a positive resource in my life. And we're seeing a lot of people do the same. Absolutely. And I, on your live, I remember you saying you take baths every day. And I was like, that is my goal is to be like low. And I want to take a bath every day. Jacqueline, Um, we've been talking about baths for months, you and I, I feel. Look, let's keep on the bath train. Like everyone needs a bath. Um, no, it's, it's honestly like I, it's goals. But um, I also want to talk about, so we talked a lot about the initial products you created, but can you talk mm-hmm. about how you guys have expanded categories and what new categories you're going into? Yeah, absolutely. So we started in personal care um, with five SKUs. And then in August of 2018, we launched five new products. And they were supplements that really support our total body care initiatives. So Bye Bye Bloat, Metabolove, Good to Glow, Mood Pills, and Lights Out. And so when we launched those new products, you know, the business essentially had a huge opportunity to expand, not just from a revenue standpoint, um, but from a storytelling and messaging standpoint also. And it has allowed us um, to really gain a foothold in the wellness category at large, because I just decided that I didn't want to be pigeonholed into just personal care which is a fantastic category and the one that I am the most passionate about. But as a business owner and entrepreneur, you know, you want to be able to continue to iterate and be creative and grow your business in the way that you want to. And so after we launched personal care, 
I kind of looked at what was available, you know, in these other, in these other things, there's some things, where's my brain? <laughs> We've all been working from home for too long. I was not necessarily looking at other categories, but I was thinking, hmm, total body care. What are the products that I would really want? And so mm-hmm. Bye Bye Bloat was sort of the first creation or invention, I would say, because when we launched Bye Bye Bloat, nothing like that existed. Um, and it is one of our best selling products. It flies off the shelf at Ulta and it's because it actually works. And it's because I, as a human being suffer from bloating, from food and from hormones all the time. (laughs) It's, It's crazy. Sometimes I like squeeze my ankles or squeeze my wrists and you know, they leave these like deep imprints and I'm like, what am I eating? <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, and, and the, so, girls, the girls in our office use it and they swear by it. Like they love it so much. So I think yeah. that's the reality of the situation is like, you can have a cool brand, you can have all these cool things, but unless the product actually works, it's like, you know, what are we talking about? hundred percent. And I think, you know, when we think about formulating, we have a really great wellness advisory board full of doctors, nutritionists, and then an amazing team of food scientists. And so we pair all those brains together to help us formulate. And, you know, more often than not, we are using herbs that have been used in medicine around the world for thousands of years and just really great ingredients that have, you know, tons of clinical studies and research behind them. And, you know, also we have this clean body positive perspective. So like nothing we're putting out into the market has like weird chemical stimulants in it or, you know, like all of the like tummy tea brands and like diet pills and stuff. I'm so horrified by those things. And so we're really trying to take the opposite approach of, you know, what are the things that we can use that feel really good and we feel good about using also. And it really comes back to that kind of like food as medicine mindset, I would say. I love that. So, you know, we've talked a lot about you pivoting from obviously the entertainment piece to cooking, to blogging, to uh, event production now to wellness. Um, But one of the things that's, you know, really interesting is that there's this bridging the gap of being an influencer and then being an entrepreneur. What are some of the setbacks you've endured with developing the company when it came to being, you know, an influencer entrepreneur in terms of being taken seriously? Did you feel any pressure in those different ways? And can you talk a little bit about maybe how it helped or hindered the business? Absolutely. Um, I think my concern, and this is my personal concern and, you know, source of embarrassment and vulnerability is I was on reality television and frankly, I look at some people on reality television and it makes me laugh. And so I'm worried that people see me in that light also. (laughs) And I want to be taken seriously as a business owner and as a thought leader in this space, right? And so I would say that it has taken a long time for me to kind of shift that narrative. Um, But I would say that the red thread is that I've always been willing to tell my story from the very beginning, right? From when I was on TV to operating the lowdown and creating content to love wellness. That red thread is storytelling and being willing to being open and vulnerable, which I would say now is not particularly unique because you have people sharing all kinds of stuff on Instagram all the time. But I think that when I, you know, started the business and started the blog, not everybody was doing that. You know what I mean? And so Mm -hmm. I, I was able to kind of come out and have these conversations with people that, uh, you know, at least when I started Love Wellness in 2016, it was kind of shocking still, you know, when I, when I started the business, when I started the business and we got that first round of press in, 
it was cool because so many different publications covered the brand, but you know, half of the articles were, can you believe this reality star is starting this women's personal care business? (laughs) And so, you know, it really has just required me to tell my story over and over and over again. And with enough time and with the right publicist, thank you, Rizzy. Um, and with the right marketing team, you can change your narrative. It is totally possible. You just have to literally chip away at it every single day. I love it so much because, you know, it's, it's funny. It's like, it's funny how that happens. A couple of my first big press pieces were I was laid off and then I started my first company. And now every story, even though this was like 15 years ago is like from laid off to CEO. And I'm like, it's literally been like 15 years. Why are we telling the same story? (laughs) (laughs) I know it's like, like you said, I haven't been on TV in 10 years, but like, sure, here we go. But I think, I think you've done an amazing job and I think, you know, love wellness is so incredible. Um, so congratulations on all of that. So we are going to wrap with some sentence finish. So okay, okay, let's do it. I'm gonna like throw in someone's like just to see because I'm curious. But I'm most productive when I first wake up the first three hours of the day. Your (laughs) go-to quarantine meal? Uh, vegetable crudite. (laughs) Swear to God, (laughs) delicious and healthy. I love it. My number one productivity hack is take a break. Be willing to walk away. And wellness is? Wellness is peace. It's a feeling of peace, achieving that peace. The one love wellness product I recommend to everyone is? Good Girl Probiotics. Ooh, I love it. Well, thank you so much for your time, Lo. Stay safe in your place in New York. And we're so excited to see what you do next. Thanks, you guys. This was so wonderful. Thank you, thank you. Okay, talk soon. Hey guys, today's work party hotline question comes from Christine. Christine says, in an age where it seems like everyone's starting their own business, how can I be sure that I'm putting something new and exciting out in the world? Did you ever go through second thoughts like this? Yes, Christine. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I think that's a great question. Look, there's a lot of attention overload. Everyone's starting a company. There are a million different types of companies, whether it's co-working or vitamins or CBD. I mean, we're seeing loads and loads and loads of companies. But what I will say is, if you have an idea, definitely do your research to see what is out there. If something is out there that already exists, figure out what your differentiation point is. So if someone's selling, uh, making this up, but like a mattress, for instance, a very saturated market, what makes your mattress different than Casper's mattress? Is it a price difference? Is it a luxury difference? Is it a scientific difference? Whatever it might be, you need to look at the landscape and then differentiate yourself before you launch. That being said, if you are going to launch in a crowded marketplace, I think there's one thing that's very important. We had a panel over a year ago, I think it was at our um, small business summit, and we had someone on the panel saying, I thought this was so great, was, you know, there's probably someone out there that has the exact same idea as you. But the question is, are they going to execute on it? And I think that's really important. I think you have to be willing to execute on your ideas day in and day out. And that's something that I've really implemented in all my businesses is I keep executing, keep moving, keep creating content. It's very easy 
to launch something out in the world and then not do anything with it. But if you keep consistency, keep momentum, I think you will start to clear the playing field of competitors against you. Um, But I think it's really important to ask yourself, you know, why are you doing this? Are you doing it because it's a trend or are you doing it because you actually have something different and unique to say or provide or sell? So really digging into why you're launching the business you're launching, doing the research on your competitors, and then launching and executing like hell would be my best advice. Thanks so much, Christine. Have you bought your copy of Work Party the Book? Part career manifesto, part practical business advice, Work Party the Book is everything I wish I knew during my early years as an entrepreneur. The ups, the downs, the things I learned and the women that helped me to make it happen. Just like in our podcast, Work Party the Book does not shy away from the nitty gritty details you need to know. If you hope to start your own business or become the HBIC at your current gig, we're here to help you out. Available in hardcover and audiobook on Amazon, also on iBooks at Target and your local bookstore. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Work Party, the podcast. If you felt inspired and learned something new, let us know in a review on iTunes and check us out on social at Work Party. For every episode, we have downloadable resources available on workparty.com so you can put these tips and tools into action for your own business. Thanks again for listening. And as always, work hard, party on.